Robert, can you hear me? Okay. It's no easy way of doing that. I really appreciate that testimony. Thank you. That, that is important to all of us, isn't it? You know, that, that's... Um, can we pray before we start all of this this morning? I'm going to be asking you this morning for a commitment. You know, this church has been under attack. In a world that's being under attack, is it not? And who are we? We're God's people, aren't we? And like we just saying, what do we have to fear? We got God with us. He goes with us in every battle that we have, doesn't he? Let's pray. And I pray this morning that God's word is heard. I, I, I'll tell you this. This, is a, this sermon is, is not a, the, you know, let me tell you one thing about preaching. Because this is something you need to know. Having been through what you've just been through. God's word is the same today as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. And, and the message in God's word is the same for the generation a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, as it is for today. And it will be two thousand years from now if he tarries. So in seminary, which you all know I've been a big part of seminary uh, these, these last few years of my life. And they teach us how to d- d- come up with these homiletic outlines, we call it, which is God's truth, the way it's presented so this homiletic outline, which I started on this morning, is, a, is the same way that it was preached 300 years ago, 500 years ago, whatever. But what I'm going to say this morning applies to us here in this country. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, a, I'm a news junkie. I, I, I'm trying to get over that. Help me. Um, I've been trying to get over that ever since I was, um, we had TV stations at one time. and I, So I know how the news is made. And it's just like sausage. You really don't want to know. Uh, so uh, this week, the news, every, every week I hear the news about our nation and how it's crumbling. And, and the walls of truth that were put up a long time ago are crumbling. But you know what? Here this morning, the people at Boulevard, our family, you know what? God put us here for a reason. And we're in a community for a reason, and we're here to shine, just like we just sang. We're the diamonds. We're the ones that he's, he's looking to share his gospel message. I'm going to ask you this morning. I want to, I'm going to read you a passage here, and then let's pray. And here, here's one thing I, I guess you should know about me. I, I love ch- history. I, I love church history and, and uh, uh, maybe too much. But today, I want us to think about, you know, here's another thing. When I was a kid, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stuttering. It's okay, let me go, will you? I had the police here, you know, <laughs> keep me in line. When I was a kid, we, we had this, these uh, movies, remember about the time machine? We could go back in time. Yeah, anybody here remember that? It's kind of fun, wasn't it, thinking like that, to be able to see that. And they actually made some movies like that here recently. Um, but this morning, I want you to get in a time machine with me. And... I want you to take a journey with me back to the days of Nehemiah. Uh, the time is 445 B.C. And the story is about a man of God named Nehemiah. A prophet that God appointed to take his word to a nation that had turned away from him. And he lived in a day when the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed by the enemies of God. God called Nehemiah. 
from a land that he had been exiled into, a land where they worship man-made idols, man-made gods. And he used him in a mighty way to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, God's holy city. Now, he had severe opposition from the political people of his day. There were people called Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And when they tried to lure him away from his work, he stayed with it. He was committed to it, and he completed it. He completed the great work, and he would not come down from his work. We have to do the same thing. Read with me. Nehemiah 6. I'm just going to read nine verses, but listen to this. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together at Hakafarim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Why should the work stop when I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And in it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. And then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you said had been done, for you're inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But here's his prayer. But now, God, strengthen my hands. Lord, we read your word. We read the story of your kingdom being built. A kingdom, Lord, where people worship you and follow you and love you with all their hearts. Lord, we would ask that that would be us today. And the kingdom that is being built here, Lord, is your kingdom, not ours or anybody else's. It's yours and yours alone. So, Lord, may we hear the words that you say to us in your word about your kingdom work that's going on right here. Lord, here are we, your servants, coming before you this morning, seeking you and your will in our lives. Oh, Lord, open our hearts and our minds, I pray. So that we can see you clearly, follow you more closely. We ask that in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I am not, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Brothers and sisters, I believe that God has called us be wall builders. Now I know what we talked about in Sunday school this morning or in our Bible study, but I think he's called us to be wall builders. 241 years ago, this great nation that we live under that's protected us and protected our freedoms to worship, our worship our God, 
it, be, it had its roots, and it's be, it began by declaring its independence from a, the tyranny of a nation that said, you have to worship my way. And we came here so that we could worship freely. At the same time that we were declaring our independence from this tyranny, we're declaring our dependence on God, the God that you and I serve. Um, this is not in my notes, but I'll tell you this. The majority of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence, their diaries proclaimed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And we have a lot of people that are trying to deny that right now, but I know a man who's collected most of those diaries, and he has it in their own handwritings. The founders of this nation placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And they were here to worship God. And our nation that came together provided the walls for us to be able to worship him freely in his place of worship. Hmm. There's some significant principles in this passage. And I want us to see that this morning and how it applies to us here at Boulevard. We are family, are we not? We worship God, the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Yes, good. I'm glad you can say amen anytime you want. We, we are okay to do that. Our nation... Our country is at war. And it's a war with a cowardly enemy that murders innocent people in the name of religion. Jesus said in John 16, he says, The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. A war like our nation has never seen is being waged against us and you see despite what the news tells you it is a religious war our greatest fear is that it's not an it's not an enemy that that wages the war by a false god that's not what worries me what worries me is that we don't see it for what it really is because we as christians are not equipped we just sang the song did we not about Jesus Christ is the one who leads us. We're in his army. The nation that was founded by, by men who are, as majority, called themselves Christians have turned away from God. Instead of coming before a holy God, uh, when considering appointments to government offices, as the first Congress did, we now fight and bicker. Blame it on the other guy. I confess he did it. Hmm. We've banished God's word and prayer even in our classrooms. You know, I was telling, I wish he was here this morning, but my, my grandmother was, a, ter- was a, a teacher in the territory of Oklahoma. And they actually taught from God's word. Can't do that anymore, can they? And when they took away her, her textbooks, she memorized. Memorized scripture. Wow, that's, that's not so bad, is it? We don't do that anymore. We don't even allow it in the classrooms much. <coughs> Taking life, which God calls murder, we now legislate it and we call it abortion. It's abomination in his word. We've uh, perversion that's also called an abomination before a holy God has been redefined by a new generation and we now have rights for it. I can go on and on. 
but we've turned our backs on God. We've turned our backs on his word and what he says in it. The church of Christ, this church, the church of Christ has enjoyed freedom for the last over 200 years to worship God. But the walls of the church have fallen. The walls that protect that church have fallen. The walls of spiritual protection have fallen. The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. (laughs) Like the walls of Jerusalem, the walls that surround and guard God's people were necessary to protect from enemies. The enemies of God who would enter and destroy their place of worship. You know what? And he armed them with men to sit on the walls that they built to protect them. And they put them up high and gave them God's training so that they could watch. I'm afraid that the people who were who supposed to be watching for the enemies of God had come down and come down off the wall. They've left their post. The walls are crumbling. And let me tell you what, the church is in desperate need of some spiritual wall builders. Is that you? Will you be a spiritual wall builder? Hmm. God said to his prophet messenger Ezekiel, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. People, God was looking for wall builders back then, and he's looking for them today here. When I look out in this congregation of believers, and some of you I've been able to meet with and talk with this last week, you know what? I don't see people in camouflage and with with guns and and everything. I'm glad there are people defending us from that, but that's not us. You know what I see? I see spiritual wall builders here. People that want to build up God's kingdom by his word. Here's the thing. We are called by him to a great work. You've been called by him. I don't think it's by surprise. God's surprised that anybody is here this morning. We've been called for his work. Look at verse 3 in Nehemiah. It says, I am doing a great work. He was indeed. He lived in the post-exilic days of of, uh, Jerusalem. That means that They had sinned. They turned away from God. And God says, I'm going to send you off to live in another land where you're going to worship other gods or be led by people who worship other gods. And they did that for 70 years. Jeremiah said that's going to happen for 70 years. But you know what happened? For centuries before, they'd been worshiping in Jerusalem by God's word, the way that he had told them to do. But then they began to slip because other people came in with other gods. And they begin to worship the Canaanite fertility gods. And they would sacrifice their children to the, the demonic idols of Molech. They were giving up their children in the womb and out, right out of the womb. Our merciful God sent prophets, but they didn't listen. And they turned away from God. And then in 722 B.C., God allowed a Syrian army to come in and to take away the ten tribes in the north of, uh, of uh, Israel. 
And the people in the South have said, you know, we can't really do that. I don't believe that will happen down here to us. After all, we have God's word right here in the ark. We have his word and we hold it up. We actually look at it every now and then. We have, we, we have a, a, a nation that is under God. Does this sound familiar? They had the holy city of Jerusalem. They had God's law, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. They had the priests. They had the rituals. That they, did. they had the sacrifices. And they had these great walls around them to keep the enemy out. They felt like they were too important. And God was too loving and kind to let anybody bother them. That really does sound familiar, doesn't it? And then for the next 150 years, they, they too worshiped idols, and they slipped, and they began to pr- practice things that were not of God. In 587 B.C., God sent the Babylonian army in, and they decimated the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple of Solomon. They took the word away. They, they burned the houses of the rich, and they tore down the walls. They carried some of the remnants into exile, And they stayed there for seven decades. But Jeremiah, oh, I love Jeremiah. We've been reading Jeremiah at our house this week. Jeremiah prophesied, the weeping prophet. He prophesied that someday they would come back and the walls would be rebuilt. Worship would be restored and God's word would be read again. And people would would look at it and love it and live by it. And then they would build the walls around to protect it from the enemies of God coming in and taking that away again. So God in his mercy brought a handful of people back. The the Persians uh, eventually conquered the Babylonians in 539 B.C. And one year later, Cyrus, the king of Persia, sent a small band back to Jerusalem led by Zerubbabel. So that there would be no mistake about who was doing the rebuilding. He said to Zerubbabel through the prophet Zechariah, he said, Not by might, not by your might. Not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God did it. He's the one that brought them back, and he's the one that has to empower anything that's being done in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. He's the one. He's the one where we find the power. So with the help of Zechariah and, and Haggai, the temple of the Lord was rebuilt and completed in 515 B.C. And God had restored worship to his people. Mm. And then he restored his word through Ezra. Boy, there was a preaching machine. Uh, Read him. Ezra had prepared his heart. Here's what he said. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it in all of Israel. So God had restored worship and and now his word was being preached and heard by the people. And then 13 13 years later, he sends in our man, Nehemiah, to rebuild the walls in it. For the protection to keep the enemies out. His his nation of worshipers and for all of his word being taught and preached. We're back together again. We as his people cannot expect God to protect us. Unless we worship him. Unless we preach his word and we teach his word. Nehemiah refused to come down because he knew that he had been called to a great work. You and I have been called to great work. And we're called to be salt and light in this world. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, 
And if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me tell you what. You are the salt of the earth. Do you understand that? You are the light in the world. There is nobody else. No one else has been called for that. No one else has been given that responsibility. I can tell you this. Looking at the media, I can tell you, God did not call Hollywood to set the moral tone of this country. Hmm. He didn't call the TV people to do it either. And you're not going to be able to Google it either on the Internet. He didn't call the LGBT movement or the abortion rights movement or any of the other politically framed rights movements today to set the moral tone of America. He called you and me to be the salt and the light of the world. If we don't share the truth, no one else will. And I have to tell you this. We have to do it with the love of Christ. We don't go out there with our, you know, I, I tell people I have a smaller Bible. This is my 10-pound Bible in case they don't get it the first time. We can't do it that way. They have to see the love of Christ and they have to see it in us. We are crawl, called to do this great work. Here's the next thing I want you to see. We have to be committed to this work. Take another look at verse 3. Oh, Nehemiah was a man of commitment. He didn't say, you know, I really shouldn't come down right now. I'm busy. Or he didn't uh, say, well, it wouldn't be right without me asking everybody else. Or I need to go take a vote on it. Or, or he, he didn't call his lawyer to see if it was okay. Nehemiah was committed to God's work, to do what God called him to do. And he was committed to it. He said, I cannot come down. You know, that's something we need to be saying more often, don't we? Hey, do you ever say that? Can you say that? Say that with me. I cannot come down. Yeah. Do you believe that? I cannot come down from doing God's work. And let me tell you what. He's doing a great work here. I think sometimes we don't see it. Let me tell you about another more modern day. Let me go back just a couple hundred years. Story about commitment. I love this story, so I hope you'll, you'll bear with me with, with these stories. I know you've heard of David Livingston. Remember him? A great, great missionary. Scottish missionary um, to Africa in the 19th century. At the age of 27, he became a doctor. But instead of being a doctor, he went, left Britain, and he went off to Africa, uh, to Zambia, which is what is now Zambia. And he worked diligently for the Lord Telling people about Jesus, being the salt and the light in a, in a nation that didn't know who God was, that didn't know the salvation of Jesus Christ. And for 33 years, he poured his heart out there in Africa. He, he passionately fought slavery. He, he healed their bodies. He passionately did everything he did for God because he knew Jesus Christ and he wanted them to know him too. 
He led many people to our Lord and Savior, and they loved him in Africa. He died May 1st, 1873, at the age of 60, young man, committed to God's work. You know what? They found him when he died, kneeling by his bed at 4 a.m. in the morning, praying. They found his body. He was a dedicated man, and he was called to a great work, and he was committed to it. The story doesn't end there. I hope I can tell you the rest of this. Um, The Africans loved him so much, they mummified his body and carried it a thousand miles off to the port where it was going to be shipped back to to England. And all England mourned, and they buried him with honors in Westminster Abbey. (laughs) But i got to tell you the rest of the story. His heart is buried in Zambia beneath the Wamulu tree because he said before he died, my heart is here because God sent my heart here. And they knew that. And that's the way they buried him there. Oh. He was called to be a, to a great work and he was committed to it. That's where his heart was. I want to ask you this morning, where is your heart? Is your heart here at Boulevard for Jesus Christ? Because of the great work that you've been called to? Are you committed to it? Is your heart committed to it? Think about that. Ponder that. We have to be committed to the great work of our Lord rebuilding these spiritual walls all around us. And that's why he's put us here. Colossians 4.2 says... Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let me tell you something. We need to pray, folks. I'm going to ask you to pray about this. If you're committed to this, I'm going to ask you in a minute to stand up and say you are committed. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray with people around you. I'm going to ask you to to, to find somebody that you would pray with. Maybe not not, not a gossip friend, not a girl, but someone that you can actually pray with about this. Because we have a lot of work to be done here. But let me tell you how we're empowered through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's already doing a great work here. There are people coming to Christ all around us. That's why he put us here. Um, there are people all around us I think we have a whole nation that wants to know the truth you know what we don't need we don't need another 12 step program and we don't need a a how to book how to do this I think all we need to do is show them the truth Jesus Christ is the truth that lives in us if you received him as Savior and Lord he lives in there that truth is there the Bible tells us in John 4, 16, that the truth is a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the way. I am the truth. Mm, he is indeed the way of life. You know what? We need to just tell them about Jesus. And all we have to do, like we said this morning in our Bible study, is that show them Jesus. If they see Jesus in you, I'll guarantee you. They're going to ask about it. What is that that makes you different? Um, We have some people I know that have have led people to Christ in just the last couple years. And it's because their lives were changed and their neighbors saw it. And they wanted to know what that difference is. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. 
but we have to do it with gentleness and love. The work we're doing is a great work. And we're to be committed to it. We're called. We are to be committed. And then listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. See to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Mm -mm. That word complete in the Greek, plurao, actually means to be filled to overflowing. So we are to complete. We're to be overflowing with Jesus in us so that other people will want him and want to know him. We're to complete this great work that we're committed to and that he's given us to do. Look, at, look with me at Nehemiah did after his challenge from Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. He finished the wall, but not by his might. And the results testify to that. Look at verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they were they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. I don't know if you've ever seen the walls of Jerusalem, or what's left right now. But can you imagine building all those walls around them in 52 days? Yeah, scary. Isn't it? And these were guys, you know what they had? They had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other. They built those walls. Oh, did they build it? Oh, excuse me. What did it just say? They perceived that the work had been accomplished with the help of our God. That's who did it. That's who rebuilt the walls. He completed the work he was called to do. We're not done yet. Jesus is going to come back someday. And I pray, you know, there's a group right now that says he's coming back in September. Uh, Maranatha. I hope he does. Lord, come. But we're not finished with our work yet, are we? We still have a lot to do. We must work until he returns. We cannot come down until the work is finished. You still believe in God's promise uh, to his, his covenant people in Second Chronicles? I know a lot of times we think that doesn't apply to us, but it does apply to his covenant people. He said, if my people who are called my name, by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. You know, many of our government leaders have now publicly declared that this nation is not Christian anymore. I know the, the pews, the pew polls and all these polls say that, yes, yeah, 70% of, of the people in this country identify themselves as Christians. But did you know that only half of them go to services? And a third of them read God's word. The rest don't. You know what I call that? I call that statistical Christians. I don't think we're statistical Christians, are we? Good. We're committed. How many statistical Christians are out there leaning on walls that have crumbled, that have fallen? The walls of God's truth have fallen. They need to be rebuilt. In this meeting today are his people called by his name. And I believe that we are his wall builders. I believe it starts right here with us, right here at Boulevard. We've been called and we must be committed to the calling. And we have to complete this great work that he's given us. You know what? 
this work is not going to be done with compromise or hoping that we get the right kind of legislation, legislation that's negotiated by men who are really not looking to God, who are trying to negotiate our ways into peace. It will be completed by standing firm in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just like Ephesians 6 says, we're to stand firm with the full armor of God. We're standing for him, and we're standing with him, are we? And we have to do it with his love. We have to be able to show the love of God in all that we do. You know where he first showed us that? Let's take another trip in this time machine. Let's go back 2,000 years to a hill called Golgotha. Think about that. You know, and if you're looking at that picture in your mind, off in the distance, I see Judas hanging from a tree who had betrayed Jesus and was completely and totally confounded by it. And then if you come in a little bit closer, I see Peter the rock cowering in the crowd because he had denied Jesus three times. And you come right at the foot of that cross, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus, weeping, crying, but she's still pondering what's going on in her heart, what God had told her. And next to her is John, the one Jesus loves, I think beating his chest as the Jews did back then, watching his Savior die, but hanging on that cross, suspended between earth and heaven, is Jesus Christ with all of his bruised body and his skin ripped off, his hands and his arms, his body nailed to that cross, And then next to him, some man yelling curses and another man saying, oh, have have mercy on me. And Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in heaven. There's still hope, isn't there? And then someone else out in the crowd, I I picture this in my mind. Someone yells something and someone else picks up on it and they yell something. And someone else yells something. And you know what they're yelling? If you really are the Son of God, come down here and show us that you are who you say you are. But thank goodness I can hear my Lord Jesus say, I cannot come down. I'm completing a great work from my Heavenly Father. Oh, I praise the Lord that He did not come down. He stayed there for you and me, and He has saved us. Will you commit to be wall builders? Will you do that? Will you share the love of Christ, the word of Christ, about his grace, his love? Will you do that? Can I have, if you will do that, will you commit to that? If you've been called and you hear that and you will commit to that, will you stand? Lord Jesus, standing here before you, we are committed to you and your great work. Lord, you've already begun a great work. Our desire, Lord, is to follow you with our hearts and all that we are poured out, bowed down before you. Lord, we're committed 
And we will complete this great work that you've given us by your power, by your love. Lord, here we are. We listen for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for your commitment. We're going to begin something here in the next six weeks. And we're going to stop and we're going to assess who we are. You know, I'm saying we. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) We're going to assess who we are as Boulevard Church in Jesus Christ. He's already doing work here. We need to know what that work is that he has for us. And then we're going to join him. Now, to do that, we're going to have to know who we are. That means we have to assess ourselves. You know, I know that we, there's a lot of people here who study God's word, and, and we know his word. We've read it. But who are we in him? And how is he leading us to, to, to take his message to the community here? To, for the community to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord how has he equipped us to do that? And we're going to stop and we're going to look at these, these, these uh, five areas that, that we've, we've, um, we're going to focus on. The five functions of this church, which are evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, that's important too to us, ministry, and worship. So we're going to take those five points and we're going to look at them. We're going to preach about them. We're going to learn about them. We're going to meet during the week. I'm going to ask you to, to meet with us on Wednesday nights. And if that's not a good time for you, you tell me, I'll meet with you. And we're going to find out, assess who we are. What have we done? What have we learned that we're doing right? And what have we learned that maybe we haven't done so right? And what can we do to improve according to God's word, according to his plan, according to his will? We're going to seek his will for us here. Because I know he's got, he's got a great work going and he wants to use this church to do it, this local church to do it. I believe that. I hope you believe that too. I've been praying, and I believe that. Now, here's the thing. A pastor doesn't do it. We do it together. What you need is someone that just keeps us all in line. You know, the group we talked about following Jesus. We talked this morning. Someone asked me about my Greek. I love Greek. I read my Greek every day, so I hope you'll, you'll forgive me for being a nerd. But when we talk about following Jesus, it's that word hupostatso, which means we line up under him. We're all in line, just like in the military. We're all in line under him. He's our leader. So let me tell you something. What we're going to do, we're going to have to do together. You know, we, we talked a while ago about Ephesians 6, and we'll, talk, we'll bring that out together sometime soon. But in the Greek, that's written in the second person plural, which means that it's for everybody. Every one of us has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but we all join together and we become one. And that's what we are to do. That's what we are to do if we're committed to his work and his purpose, because that's how he uses his church for his glory. Are you here for the glory of Christ? Yeah, we're not here for the glory of any person or any church gathering we're here for him and for him only but we're going to do it together amen Amen. good i'm going to ask you to commit to that now there's something i want you to do right now and you don't have to make an answer give me an answer right now i want you to look around the room you see somebody that you know or you don't know i want you to meet them before we leave here tonight and then also i want you to pray together during the week whoops you mean you have something else to do? 
Let me tell you what, there's no way that we can come together for one hour and undo the other 167 hours in the week. It's messed everybody up. We have to do this together all week long. So find some, look around you. Find somebody that you, maybe somebody you feel comfortable praying with, but I would encourage you to find somebody you don't feel comfortable praying with because we need to become a prayer team together, all of us. You know, we were talking this morning about worship. This worship team... I, I, let me tell you what, I know some of us have been in the church for a long time, but listen, look at the words of, the, of this, this worship team brings us. It's all for him. You're not right? So it's text-driven. So you know what? I may not be able to dance to it or you know, tell all my friends about it. What was that thing Dick Clark used to have us doing? You know, you, you, I can dance to it. I can, I can name that tune two notes. And I, I tell my friends about it. Now, it may not be that kind of thing. But it's something that I sure will offer to Jesus Christ because it's all about him. I hope we can do that. So find somebody this morning maybe you don't know as well or maybe, you don't, you don't, maybe there's an age difference or something. Let me tell you another thing we need to do here. There's some people here. There's a, there's a large difference in the, in the ages here. I mean, if we look at the, that's a good thing. Because the folks that have been around for a long time should be teaching the ones that are coming up. And the ones that are coming up should be looking to the older ones for mentors. Yes? Yeah, and as mentors, we have to be able to put up with this music we can't dance to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're doing it for the Lord, are we not? Yeah, we're doing it for him. So we've got, before you leave here this morning, would you commit to find somebody and go and ask them if they will pray with you this week? Look, figure out a time when you can get together by phone or whatever. And then we're going to come back again next week. And... um, We're going to start looking at ourselves as all of us are praying together. And we're going to be praying together, too. On Wednesday nights, that's that's the time when I think it's the best night. Isn't that what? At 6? Thank you. Huh? 7. Okay, 7 on Wednesday nights is the best time. We're going to have a group of us up here. Anybody that wants to come and pray with us, we're going to pray about that. We're going to have an old-fashioned kind of prayer meeting. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. But it's not where you come and you bring your laundry list. Say, here, Lord, I need this and this and this. See you next week. We're not going to do that. We're going to come and we're going to go to him in prayer and we're going to listen. We had a prayer meeting Wednesday with our Wednesday group. And we just prayed and listened. It was wonderful. God spoke. He does speak. When we listen, I think we don't spend enough time listening. But we're going to go to his word Wednesday night. We're going to do that. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to begin doing that on a regular basis. Before we leave here this morning, find somebody that you will pray. And don't anybody leave here this morning saying, well, I don't know. I don't like them. Or I don't, I don't, feel, I don't feel comfortable about praying. You know, I'm not good with words. <laughs> Didn't work. God hears your heart. And you should be willing to share your heart with anybody in this room. As we bear it before Christ. I mean, if there's anything that's wrong in your heart, ask him to forgive it. Confess it and turn away from it. He'll come in and fix it, promise you. I've said enough about that. We're called to a great work. We're committed to it. And we're going to complete it. Amen? Amen. Lord, hear the commitment of your people. It's you that we praise, you that we love. You be glorified in all that we do. And Lord, would you please empower us, bless us, Lord, to know your work, your will, and to be about it 
empowered by you and you only. In Jesus' name, we trust you. Amen. Amen. Was that we're into this? Yeah. We messed up the schedule this morning. I'm not sure what we're doing here. So. <laughs>